Our pericope of Scripture comes this evening from the book of Romans, chapter 4, and we'll read into chapter 5, verse 2. For you'll remember that the Bible originally does not divide it into chapters. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh, <coughs> cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in incircumcision, uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, the seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had, yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but, of, but who walk also in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had, being yet uncircumcised. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise is made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith, that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead and called those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. 
and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So far the reading, our text is verse 25. Who, that is, G, uh, that is Jesus, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word. Beloved, if we're going to understand the purpose of our text, that one verse that is written on the top of your notes, if we're going to understand the purpose of that text, then we have to understand the context that it's set in. And the whole point of the Holy Spirit through Paul is that faith is given to us and by faith we are justified. By faith Abraham was righteous. And that was written, we read in verse 23, not only for Abraham's sake alone, but for us also. Faith in what God would do. When? When did Abraham have that faith? Before he was circumcised. He had that faith not because of his works. He's given that faith to look at what God does, what God works. We can look at at least two issues in his life, but the one is brought out especially in this passage. God promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child and that he would be the father of many nations. Abraham believed God, even though he was far too old to have children, and so was Sarah. He believed that God does that work. We see that same faith later on in Abraham's life also when God tests him. 
When Isaac is about 22 years old, and Abram is told to take his son Isaac up to the mountain and give him up to the Lord, Abram obeys. There is the wood, there is the fire, as Isaac says, but Father, where is the sacrifice? Abraham, by faith, the Lord will provide. Isaac allows Abram to bind him up and put him on the altar. Abraham raises his knife over his son. He is going to, in fact, in his heart, he had already offered him up because he believed God's promise. And God's promise was that through this son, Isaac, he would become the father of many nations. And how could he do that if Isaac died, except if God was able to raise him up again from the dead? He believed the promise of God. He believed God's word. That faith is accounted unto Abraham for righteousness. And now in our passage... The same faith that we have in what God does makes us righteous. What God does. So raised for our justification. This morning we ended on that note, what is the significance of Jesus' resurrection? There we were looking at Jesus' work where he laid down his life and he took it up again. This evening, our text is looking at what God, his Father, did. Notice with me, raised for our justification, God raised up Jesus from the dead. Second of all, then the basis for this resurrection. Why was Jesus raised and why are we raised and made righteous? And then thirdly, our comfort and our assurance. So very emphatically, if you look at the text now, either in the Bible or in the top of your notes, who was delivered? Some action is taken place upon Christ Jesus. God raised up Jesus from the dead. So while it it is true that Jesus also rises by his power from the dead, that's not the emphasis of this passage. The emphasis of the passage is here, the focus is on God the Father. God delivered up Christ. And when we read, he delivered up Christ, it means... There's a legal action taking place here. Jesus is handed over. Christ Jesus stands before the tribunal of God as an accused person. Jesus is accused. Under the law, the law says he's guilty. He's guilty. What's important for us to see now that God delivers him over to the executors. He's going to die. 
He's delivered over to death, not now, first of all, by men. Oh, yes, men were instrumental. Those chief priests whipping up the crowd, bringing Jesus then by armed guard to the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin handing him over to Pilate, and Pilate finally handing him over to the, road, to the Jews and to the Roman soldiers. But God using all those instruments, it is God himself who delivered up Jesus to die. Because as I said this morning, while Jesus is personally innocent, yet as he stands as the representative of God's people, our sins were on him, he was made sin, he is guilty. So that's the first action. God delivered up, handed over his son Jesus to die. <clears throat> Second of all, verse 25. He was delivered up, raised again for our justification. Notice again, it's not Jesus' power coming out of the grave. It is God now legally raising him from the dead. A legal action. In other words, Jesus is standing now before God again. God is judge. He stands underneath the law, and there's a sentence pronounced. Not guilty. Because the debt was completely paid up. So even as Jesus was lowered down into the depths of hell for our sins, he was raised by God again to life. And not merely life like he had before. And not even life like Adam and Eve had in paradise. But he is raised up to a level higher, a spiritual body fit for the new heavens and the new earth. Picture it is Jesus glorification. You catechism students, remember that in catechism we talk about the two states of our Savior, the way he stands underneath the law legally. First of all, in humiliation, that is guilty, and then finally in exaltation, innocent, liberated. Now, why those two actions? God delivered him up to death, and then God raised him up again to life. Did God change his mind after he delivered him up to death and say, oh, no, I didn't really want to do that. Let me raise him back again to life. Did God change his mind? Did God condemn Jesus and then say, oh, no, I won't do it? Is it that all of a sudden God has a, a fit of pity for his beloved son whom he loves? That even though he was condemned, now he overlooks and raises him up? You all know the answer to that. Even the boys and girls know. No, God doesn't change. God always judges according to the very strict righteousness. Sin has to be punished in full. Jesus, 
by his descent down even into hell, that is figuratively, being forsaken by God on the cross, by doing it completely, willingly, obediently to his Father, changed his state of guilt into a state of righteousness. Jesus on Good Friday was guilty. Jesus on Easter morning is righteous. And he is righteous by an act of his own perfect obedience. He paid it all. As he said on the cross, it is finished. The debt of sin that was laid on him fully paid. Bring to the second point. What is the basis for that resurrection of Jesus Christ? Why is it that God delivered him up or raised him up? What does that have to do with us? Well, our text says that too, doesn't it? Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. So you got the Greek word dia there, preposition. What does that really mean? There are those who would translate that in order that. He was delivered in order for our offenses and was raised again in order that we might be justified. That's not what that phrase means. That word for means because of, or on account of, or on the ground of. And really, here is the heart of the text. Jesus was raised again by God because, on account of, we are justified. We are justified. What is pictured in our text is our identity with Christ Jesus. Or should I really say Christ's identity with us? There is that unbreakable bond between, or union, between Christ and his people. Christ represents them. He is their legal representative. The offenses of God's people are therefore the offenses of Christ. We use the word imputation. Our sins were imputed upon our representative. And it is God who establishes this union in his sovereign election. It's not you and I who choose and say, well, I like this representative, I like that representative, we vote. In eternity, God determined that Adam would be the head of the whole human race. And he would fail as our representative so that God would send a better representative, Christ Jesus, who would not fail. Adam represented God's all people in this earth. Christ represents his elect not only in this life, but especially also in the life to come. God determined 
for you and me by sovereign election that Christ would be our representative, that he would act on our behalf, and he would do just the opposite of what the first Adam did. The first Adam sinned and rebelled, and the whole human race fell with him. Now our representative took all of our sins upon himself, or God laid our sins upon him, and he paid for all those sins there on the cross. It is finished. So that Christ now can be liberated. He paid the debt in full. He gave the perfect obedience that is demanded by God. And that is not only for Christ, but that is for all those who are united to Christ Jesus. Just as our sins became Christ's sin, now Christ's righteousness is made our righteousness. In the death and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God passed a sentence upon his whole church. And so our text, Jesus is raised for our justification. As Jesus was raised, you and I also have new life. There's that unbreakable union. <coughs> now, let's look at that little phrase. Jesus is raised, that word, for our justification. It does not mean, it does not mean that Christ was raised in order or for the purpose that we might be justified. doesn't mean that. And it surely does not mean, which Roman Catholicism teaches, that Jesus was raised for the purpose that we could be sanctified so that now we can live righteous lives and by our righteous lives and works we can go to heaven. doesn't mean that. Jesus is raised because our debts have been paid. He was held as a security for those debts. And because those debts are paid in full, God raises Jesus from the dead. Having paid the debt, he cried out there on the cross, It is finished! Surely it doesn't mean all of his work. He's still working today in heaven for you and me. But it means his work of saving us. That is, his work of Paying for our sins. And how did he pay for those sins? By his perfect obedience, even unto death, yea, the death of the cross. Do you hear him in the garden of Gethsemane? Lord, take this cup from me. But if it's not possible, and no, it wasn't possible, Thy will be done. What perfect righteousness. What is the difference between two different views of how you use that little preposition for? There are those who say, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead in order that now afterwards we may be justified. 
That's not what the text is saying. The text is saying Jesus is raised from the dead because the purpose was on account of we were justified. How? Our sins were all taken away. By his perfect obedience to the cross, our debt was paid in full. We are then righteous without sin. And therefore God raised him up from the dead. It's a sign. It's a sign for you and me to know and believe that all of our sins were paid for. God is not going to punish you or me for even one of our sins. Oh, there's consequences to sin. He'll test us. But he doesn't punish us. Because all of the punishment took place there on Calvary. God raised him from the dead because we were justified by what Christ did on the cross. That righteousness, the whole point of Romans chapter 4 and many other passages in God's word, that righteousness is ours by faith. Just as God, because of Abraham's faith in what God promised, he was righteous. So also you and I, who believe in what God has done, not us, what God has done, what God has promised, we are righteous. We are righteous by faith. We are righteous by faith through God's grace. It is a faith that binds us to Christ Jesus. It is a faith whereby we look away from ourselves and we look to God who does what is impossible for us. Why should faith be reckoned unto righteousness or for righteousness? Why is faith necessary? The answer is because faith makes it ours. That's the context. Why was Abraham righteous? By faith. By faith alone. Not his works. Not the circumcision that he did on himself and on his family. Not the works of the law. Before there was even circumcision. God said, I'm going to give you a son, Abraham. He believed God. Older than hills he was. Sarah was just as dead as could be as far as being able to have children. But God said it. God will do it. Abraham believed. And we read God accounted that for righteousness. Now let's apply that to our text. Why are we righteous? By faith. We look at God's promise. We look at what God does. God delivered up Jesus because of our sins. 
God acted, God raised up Jesus because we were righteous. Jesus had paid it all on Calvary. What comfort. What assurance. This is the significance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that God raised him from the dead. Judgment Day has already passed for the church. If some of you are worried about that day when Jesus comes again and you say, oh, there on that cross, we're all going to, there on the judgment day, we're all going to stand there and all of our ugly thoughts and words and actions are mentioned. Yeah. Even my wife doesn't know all my sinful thoughts or actions. Do I really want everyone to know it? Is it all going to be brought out on the judgment day? The judgment day has passed for the church. It took place on Calvary. All of our sins were taken away from us on him, and we are forgiven, and those sins are buried in the deepest ocean, never, 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 ever to be held against us again. Judgment Day is not there to decide whether we're going to go to heaven or hell. That's been decided in eternity already. And it takes place through our life by faith. For the Judgment Day, there are rewards come. Those who have done more for the Lord Jesus here in their life, serving him, are going to be given more work to do for him in heaven. A reward, laboring for our Lord. But no, the sins of the wicked, they will be laid out because they haven't been taken away. And indeed, when those sins are all brought out against the wicked and even against the devil and his demons, even they will have to say, God is righteous and God is just. Those sins deserve to be punished. Oh, beloved, God sees all of his own already in eternity as righteous in Christ because it is he who has given us to Christ to be saved. And when Jesus Christ then was sent here into the world, he came down and he died on the cross. There is the basis of God's eternal decree of justification. He paid it all. Therefore, we're forgiven. And more than that, not only forgiven, we are adopted as his sons and daughters. And all of that, all of that is actually placed in our hearts by the power of faith. We believe what, <clears throat> what God says we believe what God has done. God raised him up again because of we were already justified. Because Jesus did it on the cross. That knowledge is in our hearts. And though Satan would love to throw his darts at you and me, 
You think you could be saved? <laughs> I saw the way you looked at that girl. You think you could be saved? I saw what you stole out of the cupboard. Oh, how the devil loves to bring accusations. He did it when he came up in heaven and he confronted God about Moses. And there's that warfare then between Michael and the devil. Satan is still in this world now and he brings accusations against us and we feel them. Isn't that why quite often it is the aged saints especially who have grown in their faith are especially tacked near or at their deathbed? All of a sudden, but can I be saved? Their whole life flashes before them and some of those ugly things that were done in the past. Can I, a wretched sinner, be saved? Oh, Satan likes to bring that. And every time we read God's law in the morning, every one of those commandments, if we're listening correctly, accuse us of sins in this past week. So it's Satan. It's the law. It's others. I can remember once I was going to make confession of faith early. I think I was about 15, but my mother all of a sudden said, and you're going to make confession of faith after doing that? Ouch. Others will accuse us and probably worse, our own conscience accuses us daily. And then the Holy Spirit comes with the scripture and it says, God raised him up from the dead because we were justified by what Jesus did on the cross. Yes, you and I look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus is raised because he has paid for our sins and none of those sins are left for us. They are gone. You and I, by faith, are made conscious then that we are righteous before God. We are righteous, not looking at ourselves. God forbid that we look at ourselves or our works. We are righteous, not by looking at self, but because there we're only going to see sin or corruption. But we look to God who raised Jesus from the dead. And in that act... He says to each one of his children, you are righteous. All of your sins were paid for. They're gone. It is that faith then that inspires us with confidence. If God is for us, who could be against us? Let the old Satan throw his darts. Let others make accusations. Let my own conscience accuse me at many times. God's for me. God says, I'm righteous. And therefore, and that's why we read the first couple of verses of chapter 5, here's the fruit of our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace. Not filled with anxiety. Oh no, what is God going to say now? What's God going to do to me? We've been reconciled. We are friends. God loves us. 
and we love him. We have testimony in our hearts and in our minds. God has changed our state as he changed the state of Christ Jesus from guilty to righteousness. And so the whole context as Abraham looked away from himself, he was dead. He looked away from himself to God's promise and what God would do You and I look away from ourselves. We look to what God has done. He raised up Jesus from the dead. Amen. Father in heaven, we are thankful that by faith we are bound to Christ Jesus. We are thankful that we are able then by faith to look away from ourselves and our own works. And we look to the perfect work of our Lord Jesus. And we look at thy work. On this Easter Sunday, God raised up Jesus for, because of, our justification. Receive our thanks then, Father. Help us to walk then in faith, full of love, eager, to serve thee, to obey thee in gratitude for our great salvation. Amen.